Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. From KMOX Sports. Okay, boys, here we go. Welcome to the Great Bar Sports Open Line. Those bit swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Graybar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Here we go. Now, Matt Pauley on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, man, let's get going here. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Let's go. No Matt Pauley tonight. He's been up in Milwaukee filling in for Ricky Orton alongside John Rooney on the three Cardinals games the last three days. Redbirds lost 3-0 today to the Brewers. You dropped the series two games to one. Nate Gatter with you for a shortened Graybar Sports Open line this evening with you until 8 o'clock here on KMOX in for Mr. Pauley, who will be back tomorrow to do pregame and postgame for the Cardinals. First pitch in the last series opener of the season, game 160 of 162. 7.15 tomorrow night. Pre-game starts at 6.20. Brandon Williamson will go for Cincinnati against Jake Woodford for the Cardinals in the final series of the year, honoring Adam Wainwright all weekend long. If you have any final thoughts about the Cardinals, we had to wrap up the X-Rating show quickly. You can uh, get them in at 314-436-7900. We'll also be talking a little bit of St. Louis City later on in this hour. And uh, at 7.30, we're going to have Matt Michaels, who is sort of a utility man for uh, Mizzou Radio, does some work uh, pregame, halftime, and postgame with Mizzou football broadcast. He's also part of the Mizzou baseball broadcast. We'll be talking about the Tigers' 4-0 and start to the football season, that exciting win a couple of weeks ago over Kansas State, their visit to St. Louis, and the 31-24 win over Memphis at the Dome on Saturday. The Tigers will be in Nashville this weekend to play Vanderbilt. They are relatively heavy favorites. Uh, last day looked favored by about two touchdowns in that game on the road against the Commodores in what is essentially a live construction zone where Vanderbilt's playing its home games this year. And uh, then the Tigers will be back home uh, if they win. Well, they'll be back home whether they win or not, but they'll be back home hopefully at 5-0 and to host LSU at the moment a top 15 team though LSU and Brian Kelly have to go to Oxford to play Ole Miss, which will be a tricky game, top 25 clash this weekend. But uh, there is a possibility it could be even a top 10 LSU coming to Columbia to play a ranked maybe top 20 Missouri if they were able to beat Vanderbilt this weekend and get to 5-0. and That could be a really exciting clash in Columbia. So all of that and some more coming up. If you want to get your thoughts in, 314-436-7900. We'll turn our attention to the Tigers when we get back after the break. You're listening to Sports Open Line on KMOX. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is the Graybar Sports Open Line. Goes bit swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. The Great Bar Sports Open line continues. Cardinals losers 3-0 today to the Brewers. Nate Gatter back with you as we roll on until 8 o'clock tonight. We're turning our attention, though, to the Missouri Tigers football team. If you have some thoughts on Mizzou football, especially if you were at the game on Saturday at the Dome when Missouri beat Memphis 34-27. I think I said 31-24. It was 34-27 Mizzou over Memphis on Saturday night at the Dome. If you were there, I'd love to hear your thoughts, not only on the atmosphere uh, and on the, it was really heavily Mizzou fans. There were a lot fewer Memphis fans than I expected. I thought a lot more of them would make the trip. Not a very long way up and down uh, Route 55, about uh, what, four hours or so drive. I I thought there would be a lot more Memphis fans, especially because they were off to a 3-0 start. And Memphis played pretty well. I think that's a pretty good team. Year four under Ryan Silverfield, uh, veteran quarterback in Seth Hennigan, who's a third-year starter, even though he's only 20 years old. Blake Watson, a a really solid transfer running back. We saw some good things uh, from him early in the game, especially Memphis was able to run the ball well. And they have a a good, deep group of wide receivers, which includes a Missouri transfer in Toski Dove, who made a couple of catches uh, late on in the game. I think that's a a good team. And Missouri wore him down. Brady Cook played well. Luther Burden was great. And uh, even though there wasn't a lot of running room for Cody Schrader, and I thought Missouri did not play very well in the first half in the trenches on either side, particularly uh, the offensive line was not getting a a very good push. They wore Memphis down over the course of the game. So if you were there and you want to give the thoughts on, uh, on the game, well, you can give your thoughts on the game, whether you were there or not. But if you were there, I'd love to hear as well about your experience with the dome, um, where, where we think the dome's at at this point, it was not bad. I thought there, there were some, odd things you could just tell it was um, a, a somewhat shoestring operation for the caliber of football game it was hosting um, the it, you know obviously there's it's a dated facility that just not a lot has been done in it uh, since the Rams departure but it overall it was uh, it was a better experience than than I expected 
Um, I thought it was a fun place to watch a game. I thought uh, the atmosphere was really good. I thought Mizzou fans brought it. Uh, about 45,000 were in the building, which was uh, pretty solid, more than have been there for any Battlehawks game. Now, to be fair, the Battlehawks have uh, not often opened up that 400 level where uh, Mizzou fans were able to sit uh, around midfield and then on the ends. They didn't open the 400 levels in the corners, but they were uh, all the way around on the lower level, all the way around on the club level in the 300s, and then in a couple of sections of that 400 level as well. I thought it was a, a really good experience. And Missouri played pretty well. Uh, probably 34-27 is definitely closer than the game really was. I, I think Mizzou won that game by more like 14. Uh, Memphis got a, a late touchdown inside the final two minutes that was not meaningless, but unless wasn't going to threaten Missouri unless Memphis recovered the onside kick, which did not happen. And uh, when you add to that, that, that the first Memphis touchdown, the only Memphis touchdown in the first half came off of a Cody Schrader fumble deep in Mizzou's own territory, that changes things as well. I mean, Memphis took over well inside the red zone and then needed a fourth down from inside the five to ultimately score a touchdown. I think uh, had that turnover not happened, Missouri could have easily won this game by, by multiple touchdowns, which I think would be more of a fair reflection of how the game went. The bottom line is the Tigers had more depth, which really showed in the trenches as the game went on. And they ultimately, they also had probably the the better quarterback, especially the way Brady Cook is currently playing, though not by a lot. What they really had was the most talented player on the field by a reasonably significant margin. I mean, Luther Burden just took over the game. You know, last year, and there were rumors about Luther Burden, five-star recruit and all that, turned down Alabama, turned down Georgia to stay, maybe not technically in his home state, but stay close to home, the East St. Louis kid signing with Missouri. And he had a good freshman season, it's tough to be a true freshman anywhere, especially now when there are a lot of COVID seniors. You see fifth, sixth-year guys. What, NC State has an eighth-year receiver who's 26 years old? Like that's There's more of that now than ever in college athletics. On top of that, receiver, and it, probably more so than any position other than quarterback, is an area where you struggle to see true freshmen make massive impacts generally. Their impact scales up. I mean, even somebody like, Jamar Chase, for instance, the massive sophomore year he had at LSU with Joe Burrow, the year they won the national championship, he was good as a freshman. It was nowhere near what he did as a sophomore. So I think what there were, I don't want to say rumors, there was speculation. There were people saying Luther Burden was going to be upset about how much he was getting the ball, upset about his numbers, and saying if I'm not even going to be featured as much as, say, Dominic Lovett was last year, Lovett ultimately did transfer to Georgia where he is this season, you know, why, why did I come to Mizzou over Georgia and Alabama if I'm not getting featured like an elite player? I think a lot of folks, because of the hype around Burden and around any other five-star recruit when they sign, we've seen it to some extent with Sam Horn, the four-star quarterback who's backing up Brady Cook. Fans expect, because of how much they've heard about that kid and the fact that that's the rare 16- or 17-year-old kid whose name they know, fans expect that kid to come in and blow people away right away. Just not really how it worked, especially at the SEC level, when Luther Burden was playing in many cases against players not just three, but four, five, even six years older than him as a true freshman. That's a big ask. It takes time for integration. And I think what we're seeing now is his physical maturation, his maturation within the system start to come to fruition. That now he's ready to really be a game breaker, really take over games. And we saw it with his two touchdowns against Kansas state, including in the fourth quarter, when not a lot was going Missouri's way offensively, there were concerns about a hobbled Brady cook 
and Luther Burden took a screen pass, what, seven, eight yards behind the line of scrimmage, just beat a couple of Wildcats and scored from 26 yards out. It was one of two touchdowns that he had in that dramatic win for Mizzou over K-State a couple of weeks ago in Columbia when Brady Cook threw for 356 yards. Probably would have had an even bigger game had he not injured his knee on that second quarter run when he uh, twisted his knee around and uh, had to wear that bulky knee brace for much of last week. We'll get to that in a moment. Luther Burden went for seven catches, 114 yards, and two touchdowns against Kansas State, which is a good team. They were number 15 in the country at the time and a really well-coached team by Chris Kleiman, uh, who was formerly at North Dakota State, did obviously phenomenal things there, has done a great job so far in Manhattan, Kansas. Cardinals fan, by the way, Chris Kleiman, uh, grew up in Iowa and uh, a St. Louis Cardinals fan. And uh, Kleiman, I think, is one of the better coaches from an X's and O's standpoint in college football. And Missouri did a really good job recovering in the fourth quarter offensively for a while there. It looked like the Tigers offense with a hobbled Brady Cook was just dead in the water. I think I was I was in the same boat as a lot of people thinking it was time to go to Sam Horn. If Brady Cook could only hand the ball off and throw short, they opened it up for him in the fourth quarter. And they did a lot of that again against Memphis at the Dome on Saturday. Brady Cook went for 341. I think if you haven't been watching Mizzou, it's almost unfathomable that Brady Cook would throw for nearly 700 yards in a two-game span. That's 697 yards for Brady Cook across the last two games. And to be honest, and we'll get to this later as well, I think there are questions to be asked of Eli Drinkwitz, all sorts of questions. You know, he got off the hook easy for not realizing Missouri was out of timeouts and taking a delay of game that turned that Harrison Mevis game-winning field goal from a 56-yarder to a 61-yarder. An an SEC record field goal was required. Funny enough, not a Mizzou record, actually, but an SEC record required to win the game against Kansas State. Now, as it turned out, K-State had two players wearing the number eight on the field. uh, So there was a flag that came out against Kansas State. So had Mevis missed, Missouri would have gotten a five-yard penalty and there would have been an untimed down. So Mevis would have gotten to re-kick from 56 yards away rather than 61. So... In more ways than one, Drinkwitz got bailed out. Nonetheless, that's a real concern, and and I thought he mismanaged the clock again at the end of the second quarter at the Dome on Saturday against Memphis when Missouri had to settle for a field goal instead of a touchdown when they really should have had enough time left to be able to make that six instead of three. The biggest question maybe, though, bigger than the clock management, which does drive me nuts, a lot of college coaches. If you watch college football on Saturday and then watch NFL on Sunday. One of the biggest differences from a coaching standpoint is how well and how easily the head coaches manage the clock. They are well prepared. They've thought through what they're going to do. You don't see it's a small thing, but you, when it's time to use timeouts defensively to save clock, NFL coaches will have thought about that ahead of time. And the whistle will be blowing immediately when the whistle blows for the guy being down. They're already waving their arms timeout. In the college game, it's not unusual to see three, four, five, six seconds tick off before the coach realizes now's the time for a timeout. Is that three, four, five seconds going to win or lose the game? Probably not, but there's no getting it back. There's no getting it back. So that is an issue. Maybe even bigger than that is if Brady Cook had the ability to throw for 700 yards over a two-game span with no interceptions, no interceptions so far this season, by the way, but no interceptions, and almost 700 yards in a two-game span against Kansas State and Memphis, two solid defenses. Why was he not throwing the ball down the field way more, way earlier in his career? Is this a new thing? Did he just figure out how to do this in the last two weeks? Is it only with the knee sprain? Is this like a rookie of the year situation where his something's going on in his knee, now he can throw the ball down the field different way than he ever could? 
What's going on here? Because if Mizzou fans had known that this Brady Cook was in there, I think the conversation around him and the potential quarterback competition between Brady Cook and Sam Horn would have been a much different one prior to this season. We would have had a much different conversation going on around those two guys had people known that a 700-yard Brady Cook was on the table over two games against two, one very good and one solid defense. And he's done it hobbled. Eli Drinkwitz said Brady Cook could barely walk at the beginning of last week. That Brady Cook basically lived in the facility to find some way to be able to play. And you knew Brady Cook, Chaminade kid, coming back to St. Louis, was going to do everything that he could to be on the field. That's a huge deal for him. You know, he was emotional after the K-State game and I think tugged at a lot of Missouri heartstrings, including my own, when he said, I grew up a Mizzou fan. All I've ever wanted is to play quarterback at Mizzou. This is, this is the lifelong dream. All I've ever wanted is play quarterback at Mizzou, and I just wish other people wanted, to play, wanted me to play quarterback at Missouri too. And when he said that, it, when you watch a starting quarterback go out and throw for 356 yards and win at home against the number 15 team in the country that was an old Big 12 rival of Mizzou, turning around a game in which the Tigers got blown out last year in Manhattan. And then the quarterback sits up there and says, you know, it hurts me. I hear that. And I just wish everybody else wanted me to play quarterback at Missouri as badly as I want to play quarterback at Missouri. That kills you. Because what do fans want? They want most to win. What do they want second most? They want to win with local kids who bleed black and gold. That's the best thing. The most important is to win. But if you can win... With Chaminade throwing to East St. Louis? With the Chaminade kid wanting nothing more than to wear the black and gold? With the East St. Louis kid having turned down Georgia and Alabama to wear the black and gold? What's better than that? And I I am really happy for him, not only that he was able to play, but that he played as well as he did in St. Louis on Saturday. Brady Cook, Luther Burton as well, who had 10 catches for 177 yards, despite the fact that it seemed like he was banged up every other time he got up off the turf, had to go to the locker room for a period of time, luckily kept getting back on the field. I'm so happy for Brady Cook because this fan base is rallying around him. He's playing by far the best football of his career, and and something really special is going on right now in Columbia. I hope it's not a trap game this weekend in Nashville. Tigers going to be taking the field less than 48 hours to play Vanderbilt on Saturday afternoon in Nashville, trying to get to 5-0 and to set up what would be a monstrous home game against LSU. It has all the makings of a trap game. Back-to-back emotional victories with a huge game looming. And now you're playing a road game against an also-ran in the SEC. There are concerns. We'll talk to Matt Michaels about the win over K-State, the win over Memphis, the possibility of a trap game against Vanderbilt this week. And that's all coming up next. Matt Michaels joins us after this on Graybar Sports Open Line right here on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. This is the Graybar Sports Open Line. Goes mid swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Nate Jenner back with you for more Graybar Sports Open Line on this Thursday evening. Got about a half hour to go, and we are joined now by Matt Michaels with us from Columbia, Missouri, to talk a little Mizzou football. A Mizzou radio utility man, I think you could say, does some of the pregame, halftime, postgame work for Mizzou football in addition to color for Mizzou baseball, sometimes filling in on Mizzou basketball, does a little bit of everything. Matt, thanks so much for being with us tonight. 
Well, thank you, Nate, for having me. I appreciate that. Utility men is fine. I wasn't any better than that on a baseball field growing up, so I'll take it. Yeah, there are worse things than being a utility man. You can follow him on Twitter, at Matt and a Mike. Uh, Matt, let's start going back to the K-State game uh, a couple of Saturdays ago. Obviously, Eli Drinkwitz bailed out in some ways by Harrison Mevis drilling the 61-yard field goal after that five-yard delay a game penalty when we can only assume Drinkwitz didn't realize he was out of timeouts, uh, maybe forgot about the one he had burned earlier in the half and thought he had one remaining. But if we step past that, what about the toughness and resilience shown from Brady Cook, especially in that fourth quarter after the Missouri offense looked, for the most part, dead in the water in the third quarter, and then just the emotions in the stadium and around Columbia after what felt like the biggest win, certainly at least since LSU in the COVID year, so the biggest win with fans in the stands without question in the Drinkwitz era? Yeah, it absolutely was, and it was a wild end of the game. I can't think of anything more chaotic at the finish that turned out to be to the good side for Missouri. I mean, you did have that delay of game, and it was strange because I was looking at the play clock and seeing it tick down as that game went on and the offensive staff was having a meeting, and I realized like they didn't really understand what was going on. But Mavis has a leg that's good from 61. He, he's told me and uh, our broadcast crew that he can hit from 70 in practice, and boy, he needed every inch of it in that one to give Missouri a, a cathartic win in so many ways. You know, they wanted the ranked win. They hadn't had a win over a ranked team in the non-conference with Missouri being unranked since 1991, I think it was. So it had been a long time for something like that in the early season, and they've carried that momentum forward. And Brady Cook, I think Eli Drinkwitz, after that game, told the story about how he had to go to Brady Cook and say, listen, I know you're not going to take yourself out of this game, even though he had what was had been described as a knee sprain, as a deep bone bruise. But anyways, the reason he's wearing that brace on his knee. So Drinkwitz said, I know you're not going to take yourself out, but if you can't help us win the game, you need to tell me. And apparently Brady Cook said, I'm good to go, coach. And after those couple of series early in the second half where it seemed they were being really cautious surrounding Cook in the knee, eventually let it rip, and they showed their toughness. I mean, they came back from being down four times in that game to win over Kansas State. They came back one time last week inside the Dome, and uh, Coach Drinkwood said on his coach's show appearance on Tuesday night that Brady Cook, early in the week, he was having trouble walking. I mean, he was on crutches trying to stay off of that knee. And um, by Wednesday, it was looking okay. And by Thursday, all right, we can go out here and, and try to play the game. And he played the game of his life. Not very often that you see in two consecutive weeks a junior quarterback reset his passing yards high, but that's what Brady Cook's been able to do. And he's been the catalyst for this Missouri stretch to 4-0, and that's for sure. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that that game then next at the Dome against Memphis, Missouri. In the end, one by seven, it felt being there in the stands a little bit more like a two-score win in terms of Missouri's comfort level for a good portion of the fourth quarter with the exception of maybe a few nervy moments after they failed that fourth down up by 14 and allowed Memphis to go back and get within one possession. First of all, before we get to kind of what happened on the field, what was it like for you to be in the Dome and experience the the atmosphere of 45,000 in St. Louis? 
You know, it was it was fun to be back in the Dome for a Missouri event. I can remember attending as a fan some of those games against Illinois when you had Jeremy Macklin lighting things up and there was that buzz and electricity in the crowd. And, and it was mostly a Mizzou crowd, as you mentioned. I think the Memphis Athletic Department maybe only sold about 1,000 tickets to the game, so it was mostly black and gold. And actually, if you go by tickets sold from the Missouri side, it was the largest Missouri crowd to see Mizzou inside the Dome because all those previous games against Illinois were split 50-50 and Missouri had a majority of the tickets for this game you know it, it was just it was good to see that energy in St. Louis and across the area for Mizzou football, something I hope can continue in the future, to be sure. I've been to a Battlehawks game and understood, you know, just the the magic that that place still has when it gets loud and everybody gets behind you. And there were a couple of those moments where you couldn't really hear yourself think, and that isn't even with a completely capacity crowd inside the Dome. So I give the fans who showed up a ton of credit, and uh, I think it was a fun event overall. I'd, I'd like to see it happen in the future. And, and the Tigers certainly responded, even though, as you said, the score might have been a little bit too close for comfort in the end I think they played a game that wasn't their a game but was still comfortable enough to win against a pretty good Memphis team and you can take that one of two ways either you say well the Tigers haven't played their best yet and why haven't they or you say man they've won four games and they haven't played their best game yet I think that's a bit encouraging for the future as the tests get tougher in the SEC yeah we'll get there in just a moment what's encouraging to me is like you said how well Brady Cook has played sort of the last five quarters, if you will, the fourth quarter against Kansas state when they let him rip it. And then again on Saturday against Memphis, when they let him rip it the entire game, uh, of course he threw for a little more than half of his yards to Luther burden, who is fantastic. Do you feel like in some ways that I don't want to attribute it to the knee injury, but the necessity of having to let him let him cook as people say in the fourth quarter against Kansas state might've been a transformative moment for this offense in terms of now how much this added element of the downfield passing game that just hasn't been there for Mizzou for most of the time Brady Cook has been the starter. All of a sudden, the potency of this offense, it it just seems like a much more lethal group that can hurt you in a lot of different ways compared to a more simplified offense we were used to seeing. You know, that could be. Eli Drinkwitz referred after the Kansas State game to maybe leaving a little bit on the table in the first two games. He used the phrase chestnut checkers and let everybody decide what that meant in terms of play calling and how deep in the playbook you could go. But you're right, in that Kansas State game and against Memphis, the playbook was wide open, and we saw what the offense can look like. You know, I think that Cook... Uh, has the ability to stretch the field with his arm, but it has to be set, and they have to know where they're going with the ball, whether it's to Luther Burden, whether it was to Marquise Johnson for the first touchdown in the Dome last Saturday. They kind of have to know what the read is because they need to give him the time and ability to really load up on that deep nine ball, as they call it, down the field. But what I do think you could see, even in the first two games, if you look closely, you could see greater accuracy. You could see balls thrown where only wide receivers or tight ends or just pass catchers in general, I suppose, could go get the ball. He has shown an ability to make those sorts of throws with more tactical accuracy than maybe he did in the past. So while it might not be the biggest cannon of an arm in the SEC, it is one that is serviceable. And Brady Cook right now is completing 72% of his passes. He's thrown seven touchdowns and hasn't thrown an interception. And by the way, if he makes 20 pass attempts on Saturday without throwing an interception, he'll break the SEC record for most passes attempted in a row 
without throwing an interception. He'll pass Andre Woodson for that, which is, you know, not nothing for someone who has said he wanted to be a Missouri Tiger his whole life, is playing through, I think, some discomfort to do it right now, and is playing very efficiently to do it right now. Uh, It really has been remarkable to see him unlock the pieces of the offense that Missouri needs to maybe take that next step forward. And um, if the defense catches up and plays its A game along with the offense at any point, you can watch out for Missouri. Yeah, you know, obviously next up is Vanderbilt in a couple of days. And just as obviously Missouri fans, I think Missouri fans are a unique bunch in that they're so pessimistic until things start to go right. And all of a sudden they get very optimistic very quickly. And so a lot of Mizzou fans are already eyeing that LSU game in Columbia in a couple of weeks time thinking, what would that be if Mizzou was 5-0 and welcoming in a, at the moment, top 15, maybe top 10 LSU team if LSU wins on the road against Ole Miss this weekend? Do you think there's risk internally within the building coming off two emotional wins over K-State and Memphis and with a potential massive game looming against LSU in a couple of weeks that this is a trap game? Or do you think in the building all that is blocked out and they are totally locked in on Vanderbilt? Well, you certainly hope they're locked in. Eli Drinkwitz mentioned uh, Tuesday night on his coach's show a couple of things. Uh, one being that you know Vanderbilt has gotten the better of Missouri before uh, in just recent memory. Um, even last season, uh, they needed a fourth down and one stop to stop Vanderbilt and completely salt away a game. Uh, last time they were in Vanderbilt in 2021, uh, they needed a Hail Mary at the end of the first half to kind of spark their offense and, and find a way into the game. So I think they're taking this Commodores team seriously. It's a team that, if not for turnovers and points off of turnovers, Vanderbilt would have been in every single game they've played, and that includes last weekend against Kentucky, but they've struggled with that. And we don't even know if their quarterback, A.J. Swan, is going to be able to play. He's questionable in a game-time decision. Ken Seals is his primary backup, and he throws about one touchdown for every interception he throws. And Missouri getting interceptions the last two games has helped turn the game, so I think that's something to watch for in this one. But in terms of the attention, I don't think that this Missouri team is motivated that much externally. I've heard a lot of positive talk about how they try to focus on themselves and focus on their own process and just talk about football, even on the sidelines during practice, you know, kind of keep a focus on what the task at hand is. If they take that approach against Vanderbilt and Nashville, they'll probably be successful. If they don't and they look ahead, they could be in for a world of hurt because it's still an SEC team and an SEC home opener for the Commodores, and you can't overlook that ever. Matt Michaels is with us from Columbia. He's a part of that Mizzou football broadcast team. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt and a Mike talking about Mizzou's Saturday game against Vanderbilt. And of course the following Saturday looming against LSU. Uh, Matt, I, I really appreciate your time. One more quick one before we let you go. Cause I'm kind of surprised we haven't heard more about this considering Eli Drinkwitz said Brady cook was struggling to walk at the beginning of last week, had to do so much just to get himself on the field Uh, for the Saturday game against Memphis. Is it your understanding that he got through that one pretty much unscathed as far as setbacks and and there's really no doubt that that he's going to play against Vanderbilt? As far as I know, um, as of now, we'd expect him to be good to go. You know, Coach Shrinkwood said that he was a full participant in practice on Tuesday, uh, wasn't necessarily in the training room. Now, you know, as the week goes on, those sorts of things may become into clearer focus. But the expectation, I think, is that Cook will be available to go. And if not, it, it feels like Sam Horn has kind of been on alert for a couple of weeks in a row now, certainly for five quarters of football. And if he needs to, he certainly has the arm to get the job done. It, it'll be a question of all the other things. But 
I think as of now, it looks like Cook would be good to go on Saturday. But uh, as always, we'll have to see when we show up in the Music City. Matt, we appreciate you. Looking forward to tuning in uh, this Saturday and going forward. Hopefully uh, a lot more wins left for the Tigers. Appreciate it a lot, Nate. Thanks very much, and uh, have a good one. Hope to see all the Tiger fans out in Como this year. We're certainly hoping that as well. Matt Michaels with us from Columbia. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt and a Mike for everything you need to know about Mizzou athletics, including the Tigers football team off to a four zero start. It's a good point. He raises too about Sam Horn having sort of been on high alert for at least the last five, maybe six quarters, essentially since halftime of that game against Kansas state a couple of weeks ago. Obviously there's no scenario, especially with how he's playing the last couple of weeks where Missouri fans would not want Brady cook on the field, which is funny because of how many Missouri fans didn't want Brady cook on the field the first week or two of the season. I think a lot of those people have eaten their words since uh, to some degree, myself included at the same time, if you were ever going to be in a situation where your starting quarterback got hurt, you'd sort of rather it be a gradual injury with some warning. Sam Horn is not going to be pulled off the sideline against Vanderbilt or against LSU and be totally shocked, right? He, he's been, if there was any issue with his intensity and in practice and the level of his preparation, well, you would think it's been resolved by the fact that the last couple of weeks he was on high alert and there was a higher probability than normal of him being needed out on the field. Even at one point against Memphis, it looked like Sam Horn might have to step out there and take a snap or two when Brady Cook was a little bit shaken up. But you like to hear that Brady Cook is a full participant in practice, according to Eli Drinkwitz, and hopefully good to go moving forward. We'll take a break, wrap up this Gray Bar Sports Open Line with a little St. Louis City talk before the final meeting of the season against I-70 rivals Sporting Kansas City coming up at City Park in just about 48 hours' time. That's after the break. This is Gray Bar Sports Open Line on KMOX. This is the Gray Bar Sports Open Line. Goes bit swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Nate Gatter back with you from our KMOX studios, wrapping up tonight's Gray Bar Sports Open Line with you for just the next six or seven minutes on this Thursday evening. If you want to squeak in your last couple of comments, you can do so at 314-436-7900, especially if you have any thoughts on uh, Missouri football. There's a lot of excitement there and uh, really appreciated Matt Michaels joining us on our Quiver River Electric guest line to uh, get his thoughts in from Columbia. You're, you're getting them just about straight from the source there with Matt. Turn our attention quickly to St. Louis City. Obviously, there's been uh, at this point of the year and really all summer a lot of uh, sad conversation about the disappointing Cardinals season, having lost 90 games now officially today for the first time since 1990. The good news is St. Louis City have far exceeded anybody's expectations. Second most points in all of MLS. They're atop the Western Conference with three regular season games to play. They have an eight-point advantage over LAFC and Seattle trailing them in the second and third spots, respectively. Those two clubs do both have a game in hand on City at this point. Coming up on Saturday, City will host Sporting Kansas City. That's a 7.30 kickoff. Pre-game will start at 7 o'clock on Saturday evening from City Park. You can hear it on our sister station, Y98. Jennifer Cease, along with Joey Zanaboni and Dale Shilley, will be calling that game City and Sporting KC for the third and final time this year. Each team has won one. A win for City would not wrap up the number one seed, but it would get them all the more closer. LAFC will be playing on Sunday at home against Real Salt Lake, who sit in fifth place in the Western Conference. So that won't be an easy game by any extent for LAFC. Meanwhile, uh, Seattle 
uh, this weekend will be playing away against Nashville. That's also one of the better teams in the league. Nashville, though, they've trailed off in the second half of the season. They sit in seventh place in the Eastern Conference. Not an easy place to play, Geotis Park in Tennessee. So uh, they'll be playing just after Mizzou, as we talked about making that trip to the Music City to play Vanderbilt on Saturday. So uh, should City win and LAFC and Seattle both drop points, that could wrap up the number one C. There would be a scenario where City, if they could get to 56 points, and LAFC or Seattle, if they got a draw or a loss, if both of them either drew or lost their respective games, then they would be on either 46 or 45 points with uh, three games left for those teams and they would be trailing by 10 or 11 behind City. So that would wrap up the number one seed for St. Louis City if they were to win, and both LAFC and Seattle fail to win this weekend. So uh, there would be a possibility of wrapping up that number one spot. City will then play the following Wednesday, October the 4th, away against Vancouver, and then they'll have a long break, two and a half weeks, until hosting Seattle the final game of the season, October 21st at City Park, before turning their attention to the MLS postseason. I think at this point, you have to consider City favorites for the number one seed. The bad news is they've played LAFC twice. They've played Seattle once so far this year. They have lost two and drawn one, an aggregate score of 6-0. In 270 minutes, they have yet to score against LAFC or Seattle, a pair of 3-0 losses away, and then a 0-0 draw, City and LAFC, uh, last week at City Park. But St. Louis uh, did manage to bounce back in uh, convincing fashion with a 2-1 road win on Saturday over Minnesota, coming from behind in the second half. Joao Klaus, the star striker, scored for the third time in four games. Jabulo Bloom, the South African defensive midfielder, scored his first professional goal, not just his first city goal, but his first professional goal to win it for City. And that one MLS goal of the week, a really nice right-footed strike into the top corner to his right, the goalkeeper's left, won it for City and secured a big additional two points that uh, took City significantly closer to wrapping up this number one seed. Going to be an exciting atmosphere on Saturday night. I think a game that matters a lot for City, not only going for that number one seed, which I think is critical. I don't like City's chances at all in the playoffs if they have to play at LAFC in particular or in Seattle. If they play at home, probably still underdogs against LAFC based on what we saw last Wednesday at City Park. Maybe still even underdogs against Seattle. That one would probably be more nip and tuck. But either way, I think they'd have a fighting chance, if not a good chance, playing anybody in the Western Conference at City Park. The other thing to keep in mind going to the postseason, this is a long ways away, but is the relative strength of the Eastern Conference compared to the West. By point, point totals, I should say, the top six teams in the East all have more points than the second-place team in the West. Cincinnati leads MLS at 62 points. After that, Orlando, Philadelphia, Columbus, Atlanta, and New England all have more points than LAFC and Seattle, who sit second and third, both on 45 points in the West. Another way of saying that is six of the seven teams in Major League Soccer by point totals are in the East as opposed to the West. So just keep that in the back of your mind. It's part of the reason that uh, in the Vegas odds, I think St. Louis sit fifth or sixth in the, the most likely team by uh, betting odds to win MLS Cup, and that's part of the reason. Part of it is the, the strength of LAFC in those matchups against St. Louis, regardless of where they are on the table, and part of it is uh, the relative strength of the Eastern Conference. But to the last point about uh, Saturday's game, I think a lot of excitement, a lot of meaning around that game outside of its magnitude for the standings, its effect on the standings, and what it could mean for City's home field advantage in the postseason. At, at, beyond all of that, 
it's the deciding game of the rivalry in this first year. It's St. Louis, St. Louis's biggest rival, one that was made an even bigger rivalry by the comments that came out of Kansas City, by the lawsuit that came out of Kansas City back at the beginning of the year, the whole soccer capital discourse, all of that nonsense that has come from KC, a city that I have said many times on the St. Louis City Soccer Report I had no problem with prior to this year, and, and they've made a big stink out of this whole situation. And uh, I think there's a lot of bad blood in St. Louis. I think the city players know that. Indiana Vasilev has said, if the fans don't like them, we don't like them. Well, it's 1-1. It's all going to come down to Saturday. You can hear it on Y98. For Kyle Sixta in our studio, Nate Gatter saying goodnight. Thanks for listening all evening long. This has been Graybar Sports Open Line on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.